Show, the disc golf podcast you've been looking for. Nick, this is episode 10, and it feels kind of weird because what day is it? It is Sunday. It is Sunday about 2 o'clock. We have never done a show, and we haven't planned to do a show ever on Sunday at 2 o'clock. So don't mind us. Our studio should look fairly the same. Maybe we're a little bit more chipper. I don't know. What what did you do today, Nick? Sleep in? I slept in a little bit. Then I woke up. I did a little yoga session, and now I'm here. <laughs> so now you're here all right yeah. so we're gonna let people know obviously we're not recording live well we're live but we're, we're live. not live taking comments and you're not you know helping with the conversation where it goes and whatnot mm -hmm. to our podcast listeners again nothing's changed for you we hope that we bring you good content i'm not going to lie nick this show was kind of thrown together because this was our last literal opportunity to record yeah 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 for this week where are you going yes so i'm going to michigan where are you going well, I'm actually going to be in Pennsylvania on business. Exactly. I'm, I'm kind of going on business, business and fun. <laughs> Hopefully a little bit of business is mixed in with a, you know, a little bit of money I make, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see when I get out there. All right. And so let me just give you the topics and who we've got for a guest. Um, so first of all, we're going to have Simon Lazat. Uh, on the show. And that is a true gift. Thank you, Nick, for reaching out to your good buddy there. <laughs> He's a good guy. Luckily, we're going out golfing later today, actually. So in the comment section later on, this episode will come out Thursday, like always. Simon and I are going to play a par three course today. Who is going to win? And well, what's the over under on yes, our stroke? So that's what I want to know. Simon apparently has been hanging out with some guy who calls himself a pro. But, you know, I've been hitting the driving range a little bit lately, so I'm going to give him a run for his money, I hope. <laughs> Drive for show, putt for dough. Yeah. So I was talking <laughs> to Simon pre-show, and he says his scoring, I'm going to guess right now, today in this heat, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but it's going to be tough. I'm going to give him uh, 86. So it okay. might be a nine-hole course. So if he shoots an 86, then I'm golden. Oh, I should be able hole. to beat him on that. I know. I, I'm not sure if it's nine or 18, actually. Okay. but Well, We'll see. All right. So the topics are right before we bring them in, we're getting right to them this today. Uh, we're going to talk about um, Paul Macbeth going into Deeglo again. That was where he shot what he considers and most consider the best round of disc golf ever. Um, will he do it again? Can he do it again? We're we'll talk about that a little bit, what the course looks like. And I think Simon's going out there. So we'll ask him about that. Mm -hmm. Will there be a three-peat for Paul? Um, and we're going to talk about high-speed discs. Nick, what do you consider a high-speed disc? speed i would say speed 12 or more you know your distance your distance discs your destroyers your zeus's your forces your dd3s pd2s all that stuff those are your high speed drivers i would say okay maybe even 11s i, I don't know how many discs are considered a speed 11 i think the wraith is but honestly i don't know all of them that are speed 11 <laughs> okay so we're going to talk about that and if Nick and I stick around after Simon hits the road, um, we may talk about one other topic, which we'll just kind of tease out there. If we get to it, cool. If not, that's okay. Recreational players versus competitive and that whole market of disc golf that Nick and I, honestly, we only know about because we started as a recreational player at one point without tournament experience. But now everything we talk about, podcast, all the shows that we watch, everything disc golf is all comp competition. We're talking to Simon Lazad even. I mean, like, it's going to be, it's an interesting topic. All the players yeah. coming in that know nothing about the competition scene, um, how are we reaching them? So without further ado, let's bring in our, or your good friend, becoming your my good friend. Good friend. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Our Simon. good friend, Mr. Simon Lazar. Here he is. So Simon, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? Great, great guys. I think we're all friends. No worries. <laughs> we're all, we're all <laughs> friends. I just didn't want to steal, you know, and become your new best yeah. friend when Nick's sitting right beside me. So we'll just say we're all good friends. So, um, welcome. So, uh, we've got, I wanted to do this intro with you because Everybody under the sun has interviewed you before, and we know everything about you. I feel like how <laughs> you there's not much people don't know about you because you got well, there's probably a lot. There's Simon Lazat, the showman, yeah. and there's Simon Lazat, you know, the private person, you know, who has a life. And last time you were on our show, you said you put in your first offer on a house. How has that gone? Yeah. Are you still looking for a house? So this would be nine <laughs> weeks later. Been... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was on show number one, and now I'm on show number 10, yeah. I think. If I can go every 10th show, that's a pretty good pace. Very and cool. the house search has been 
Oh boy. I think anyone that works in real estate or everyone that's been looking at the market lately knows how absolutely crazy the market has been. It's been developed from a buyer's market to the most extreme seller's market in in years and decades of from what I've heard and the bidding wars we got into. We saw 25 houses in the last 10 weeks. We like were trying so hard anywhere between Worcester and Boston like that area right now is so hot right now. Every other house on Zillow or Redfin will see like hot house and like they have like 50 showings on the weekends and 12 people bidding on their houses. So it's been intense, but we found a house two weeks ago now, I think that we really liked and we put in another offer. That was our fifth offer on houses in the last couple of weeks. Um, and uh, we finally won the war. And uh, now we're going through the whole loan process. We got the inspection done and everything's good with the house. So now if our finances are straight and it's a little tricky because I'm not a US citizen and with disc golf and the profession of disc golf being kind of like a gray area, um, everyone's still pretty positive and we think we'll, we'll make it work. But yeah, it's uh, we have like one more week of not exactly knowing what's going to happen, but hopefully by next week we can make sure we move right before Maple Hill tournament actually. I. You know what? I'm going to either call myself dumb, which is okay. I mean, people call me dumb every week on the show. That's okay. But I am going to say you just said something that I don't think I ever recognized, that you're not a citizen of the USA. Now, I said everyone knows everything about you, but I, I honestly, how many others are surprised by that? Comment if you were, you can just call me dumb. That's fine. But how, how is it you, you're on some visa or something? How are you living here? Permanent resident or what's that? Yeah, so I got lucky that when I was born that I got two passports, which is one German and one Canadian oh, passport, yeah. so I'm a dual citizen. Um, and as a Canadian, you're more welcome in the U.S. than pretty much any other country, so that was lucky from the start. Um, now, I have, Discmania was working closely with um, some lawyers, and they got me the professional athlete visa, which I'm here on P1 status now. That's like for athletes and artists performers and uh i'm here on a five-year work visa and that's pretty <laughs> much all i know about it discomania dealt with all that stuff for me awesome nice well we're glad that you're here and living here and as you said canada yeah i mean maybe during covid everything's locked down they can't let you out now you got to stay here so <laughs> anyways we hope it's pretty intense yeah. we hope you get that house and like you said if every other every 10 shows we have you on eventually you'll be calling us from your new house so that'll be beautiful all right. Oh my God, I can't wait. It is a it great looks sweet. feeling. Yeah, it looks awesome. Simon sent me the link to it, and it's pretty sweet. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll check that out after the show. So, all right, we're going to get a quick lightning round of Would You Rather with Simon. Now, for those who have been watching our show every single week, you've seen these questions or heard these questions, and you know what our answers are, but we're interested in what Simon has to say. So, let's get the quick intro up for the Would You Rather. Okay, here we go. Would you rather, all you got to do is tell us, you can walk us through a little bit of how you came to the decision, but more or less, give us what your thoughts are on this. And I'll, I can hit some okay. of these and you can hit some of them, Nick. Mm -hmm. So would you rather play around with consistent rain, like moderate, uh, moderate to almost heavy rain, or would you rather play in windy conditions, 20 miles an hour plus? Wind. Wow. Nick said the opposite. I, I said, said wind I said as rain. well. I hate I mean, I hate rain. So, all right. The thing, the reason I say wind is because everyone's got those conditions. Uh, historically, I've been pretty good in windy situations. I, you know, I have my PD2s and the, they're just windbreakers, I would say. Um, and uh, yeah, having a wet bag, wet feet, wet discs is just it's miserable, way no doubt, more but gross, it's a bit more especially if you're... <laughs> okay, yeah. we don't need to debate it. They already heard your opinion yeah. a couple weeks ago. But yeah, it's honestly the same for me. So here we go. You, hit, you can ask one. this one. Uh, would you rather play in 100 degree heat or <laughs> zero degrees cold? Oh, zero. We so just we'll knocked say, it down. Let's say so we'll 10 say, degrees. Oh, I mean, how much Fahrenheit. of a difference does that really make, to be honest? <laughs> this thing is a big difference. So really hot or really cold, yeah. like below freezing? 
No wind? No, no, no wind. Yeah. No, no, Prime no, no, conditions else. besides Just hot or cold. Oh, boy. That's a tough one. Because it's like when it's hot, you want it to be cold. And when it's cold, you want it to <laughs> yeah. be hot. It's like always green on the other side. But uh, I think I'd probably rather play in 100 degree heat. My man. Where was that recently? Yeah. Where was that recently where it was it was pretty hot? <laughs> I mean, the Midwest, I think, during July, oh, yeah. August is always going to be a heater. But the hottest tournament I ever played was Australian Open oh, yeah. back in 2016 or was it 15. Uh, it was like over 100 degrees every single day, and the oh. discs were literally melting in the fairways. It was crazy. Oh. Okay, so here we go. Um, this one's kind of funny, Simon. Would you rather play wearing pants or shorts, two sizes too small, so pretty tight, uh, or Ooh. or a shirt three sizes too big? So whatever that is for you, that's pretty large. So uh, which would you rather play with? <laughs> that is the easiest one yet. Definitely I would way prefer to play in a big shirt. I already wear shirts that are a bit too big. I kind of like the little baggy feel. And <laughs> as a skinny kid growing up, like every shirt is too big for you anyway. So I'm used hey, to that. I know exactly what you mean. Nick answered the, yeah. Nick answered the yeah. same as you. He said large shirt. And I'm like, man, I just can't get my throws off. It's like baggy and all that. Dude, but. imagine trying to straddle putt in pants two sizes too small. Is there, a, how, is there a player on miserable. tour? Is there a player on tour we could ask about that? I'm not going to call know. anyone okay. out. We won't. <laughs> all right. What's the last one? Um, you did this one, or you know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Simon, would you rather play on the feature card at a large tournament, so like a big live audience, big live coverage, but you choke and you shoot the worst <laughs> round of the tournament, or would you rather be in like 50th place, shoot the hot round that day, and jump up into the top 20? Feature card, meaning final round? Yeah, final round, feature card, you play, the most yeah. amount of viewers. Like, if you were at the preserve, and then, boom, you yes. shot the worst, worst <laughs> round of the tournament. Definitely the first option. Way rather be on feature card in the final it round than, than totally and totally <laughs> just ruin my oh. whole tournament and just embarrass <laughs> myself in front of... Hopefully 20,000 people, people if possible. Yeah. We um just that would make for a great YouTube video for my channel that <laughs> okay. me talking about how bad it was. All right. We predicted that before we yeah. called you up. We said, "Oh, he's going to pick live coverage blow up." But oh, Nick yeah. picked yeah. Nick picked shooting I, the hot round to move into the top 20, but that's yeah. Nick. <laughs> yeah. I'm not playing. Yeah, because the top 20 is like good exactly. for normal players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But me being on the feature card, because say I was on the feature card, you know, I'm that 990 kid. Say this is an MVP. I'm the 990 local who's playing out of his mind. I'm on the feature card, and then I blow up and shoot like an 85 that round. Everyone's just going to be like, well, it's because he's 990. I'm going to get trashed on for the next 20 years of my disc golf career. <laughs> so, now nah, give me that top 20 finish at that tournament. I'm happy with that. Awesome. Yeah, but you know what people say is – um, did they say any press is good press? Like then people are talking yeah. about you because. But if you if you're in fiftieth and shoot the hot round and finish in eighteenth, I don't think anyone's talking about that. The pro tour likes it, you know. They write on Instagram and say, "Ooh, hot round of the day, Nick Carl." You know, that'd be kind of nice. Ooh. So Simon just said any yeah. press is good press. So let me ask this: This was another would you rather? We didn't have planned for today, but I just remembered it. Would you rather? And I'm gonna I'm gonna up the dollar amount a little bit. Ten thousand uh, dollar ace pot. Or have that ace featured on ESPN top ten. So you either well, we get ten did, grand, we did, we five did, grand. I'll kind of go back to what it was. <laughs> ten. So we'll say your dollar amount though. Ten thousand dollars to be featured on ESPN, like Paul's segment that they did of him at um, his okay. eighteen down. Or mm -hmm. would you rather get ten thousand dollars for winning a tournament? Ten thousand dollars. <laughs> okay, interesting. Yeah interesting so that's i'm i appreciate you sharing that with us because there's different perspectives on that and that's why we did the would you rather yeah we've got a ton of different answers on that one awesome but anyways let's get that's how the, the question should be hand. but that's yeah. how the question should be yeah. would you rather i mean now what about what about five grand <laughs> five grand to win a tournament or oh. would you rather be featured espn segment say like a four minute espn segment <laughs> well i really want this pool table for my new house and it is <laughs> Right around five to ten grand. So a pool table can be over five grand. Stop. 
Oh yeah. Easily. Okay. Would you rather You'll a pool table or win the? No, I'm kidding. Okay. Yeah. So that was that was good. All right, Nick. You already cut us off, and then you went back to would you rather. Here we go. Just, officially yeah. into the topic. Into the topics at hand. D Glow. Mm-hmm. This is Thursday night. We have people checking in on the show, and they want to hear what do we think is going to happen. Simon, are you heading out to Discraft Great Lakes Open? Yeah, I'm actually flying out in the next. It feels like the next 12 hours almost. I have an early morning flight tomorrow from Boston to Detroit. And it'll be my first visit to Michigan. Like one of the last four states I'm missing um, on my list to play disc golf in. And it seems crazy because Michigan is such a disc golf center and uh, so popular. And we've one of the most frequently asked questions I get on my social media is probably, when are you coming to Michigan? Okay. <laughs> I've read that hundreds of times. So I'm finally coming to Michigan, and I chose to fly. I was coordinating that with Eagle. So Eagle will also be his first time in Michigan. And, uh, yeah, we're staying together with Casey and a couple other guys. And uh, we'll come prepared. And hopefully, from what I've heard, Toboggan is ready to be attacked by Team Discmania. Wow. Nick, would you have guessed in a trivia show that neither Simon or Eagle have not played in Michigan? I would have guessed that neither of them have because I've known for like the last three years that neither okay. of them have played there. So okay, you have insider knowledge. <laughs> I, yeah, I got insider knowledge on that one. No, I think it's gonna be super cool seeing the Crush Boys finally up there, in Michigan. I mean, Toboggan's a bomber course. It's got some good technical holes at it, but if you can consistently throw that 420 to 460 foot shot, you're gonna be sitting pretty out there. I mean, it's it's a fun course. So are you saying it's easy? No. Oh, it's, it's not, not easy. Okay, no. so let's just get right think, into the topic then. Yeah. Is Paul, it, first of all, and this can be like a 30-second talk, mm-hmm. Simon, what's your opinion on that round that Paul did? Now, I know he's a competitor of yours. He's also a friend. Um, when people say, oh, it, it, the course is too soft. Now, I know you haven't played there, and I haven't played there. When I read that, somebody saying the course is too soft because Paul did that, I kind of laugh because I don't hear many other pros saying that the course was too soft what's your perspective do you feel like just even from an outsider position that that round was probably really good yeah i think that's a question i could ramble on for just i feel like hours because right. uh the main question if disc golf is too easy i mean that's been around for a long time now and i just remember when paul shot that perfect round or everyone called it the perfect round I just texted Paul right right when I saw the live scoring and I just sent him what was that question mark and he just answered with good period <laughs> and he he said nothing else but good so I think everyone is aware on how much skill that took and how not just physically but also just mentally to pull something like that off is it's one of these things that at, the better you are at something, the more you'll appreciate someone who does it at that level, like to perfection almost. So, uh, yeah. And making stuff look easy that are not easy, I think that's what real art is. Man, that's so true. Thank you for your insight on that. And you'll have to um, let Nick know or let me know what you thought of the course after you're out there. Nick, you're, you've been out there a few years prior. I've been there, yeah. Is it yeah. playing easier now? Is it more likely that Paul will do it again? Or is it more difficult? What's changed? No, so it's more difficult. And I say that because the year that Paul shot his 18 down was 2018. And there wasn't as much OB. So like hole three, it's this long downhill par four that slowly tails to the right. You could bomb a shot down there and actually end in, I think, 14's fairway. And there would be no, like, that was totally fine to do. Now, mm. when I went there last year, they OB'd everything. So if you went too far left, you're OB, you're throwing from a drop zone. That's really hard to even save your par out of. So last year, 2019, the course got a lot harder, I think, because they put so much OB there. There was one hole, I think, hole seven that has a Mando 350 feet down the fairway, maybe 300 feet. I forget exactly what it was. But from what I heard, they're making some small little tweaks this year. I'm not 100% sure where they're going to be. But um, from when Paul shot the 18 down to now, the course is significantly, I think, harder. So I think last year his hot round was 12 or 13. I mean, so potentially the course is playing four to five strokes harder. Simon, you've been playing tournaments a long time. 
how many times after playing a round at a tournament or rounds, and maybe it's not because of you, but the touring pros are there. Do you think that they reconsider the course par and layout after you guys are done, you know, tearing it up? I feel like that happens too many times. Okay. I'm, I mean, I made uh, right after the preserve, I made these two Instagram posts that got like way too much attention for my liking, <laughs> and so many people are arguing in the comments, and so many people misunderstood. We talked about it too, just so saying. you know. We we little, also talked bit. about it. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I never meant for that opinion or my post to be controversial or any way. I just kind of like posted it without thinking that a lot of people will read that and might dis disagree or like misunderstand it, which I don't blame anyone for misunderstanding that because I literally just wasn't even thinking about how I was phrasing things. But yeah, it's it's such a fine line between saying something is too easy and then just making it crazy or stupid hard. Um, I think everyone who knows me knows that I'm not a fan of all these lines and rope out on the course, restricting our play and almost making scrambling basically impossible. Um, by my post, I didn't mean that we should only play open courses with no OB everywhere. I just, I like, I literally like playing every course. I just loved that it was a thrower's course. And I think that's what golf should be. Like you you play it where you throw it to. And I've just seen uh, the main point, I'm so bad at explaining this, but the main point was that out of all courses we've ever played on tour, that one was the least fluky. So a good shot would have a good result and a bad shot would have a bad result. Mm -hmm. Obviously you can't have that on every single shot, but I'd say 95% of the time that would be the case. And on so many other courses, uh, the amount of shots I see that are terrible and get good results and the great shots that get screwed, I don't know, it just sometimes doesn't feel fair or like it's an even playing field. Do you have an example of that off the top of your head? Like, could you think of one in the next 10 seconds of where a great shot got screwed or a really, really poor shot got rewarded? <laughs> Let's... I, I can I can do a hypothetical uh, yeah. scenario here where let's say two players are tied with one hole to go, playing for the win, and it's a dogleg left around a tree, and on the right side is OB. Um, both players choose the same shot. They want to go turn over around the tree to the basket. Um, the one player shanks it right, hits the tree, kicks OB. The second player throws the same shot, shanks it even more right, bounces out of the OB, back and bounds, parks it, wins the tournament. So technically the guy that threw the worst shot won the tournament because he missed his line even more than the guy that threw the first shot. Yeah. Now people can argue that the first shot is a worse shot because he hit the tree and the other guy missed the tree, but what their, what their intentions were of throwing the line, the guy that did it worse yep. got a better result. And I just see that kind of stuff a lot so, on other courses. Yeah, so pretty much what you're saying is both guys threw horrible shots. They both missed their <laughs> line completely, except one of them missed it more than the other to where he was rewarded by not hitting that one tree that, say, was out of bounds. So, yeah, yeah I, I get what you're saying there. I think, you know, the preserve as a spectator's, it was really fun and really boring to watch at the same time as a spectator, like for me personally. I really liked watching everyone be able to unleash. I really enjoyed that. I think looking at the top 10 players, and I think between all of them, there was three to six bogeys. I think like in order to get a bogey out there, you really had to make a horrible mistake because I don't know. It's just like, let, yeah. let me say, and then we can kind of get right back to the topic is hey, what Nick said. I almost echoed on hundred percent. I think it was boring the first couple rounds. I think the last round was the last exciting round was awesome to watch because oh, yeah. the competition, that's what people love is the competition. Yes. And so it was spectacular and I'm not going to lie. I don't care who's watching the show. I was rooting for Simon. Yeah, same. <laughs> and, it went down, and it went down to the last hole and I was probably visually upset yeah. at what the wind did to your disc on that drive <laughs> as you were. <laughs> I mean, there's always yeah. factors that uh, we can't control, of course, but I mean, we're just most of the people compare us to golf yeah. and if you look at golf then if a golfer hits a good shot 
he will get a good result. And if you hit a worse shot, you will get a worse result. And in disc golf, it's just not like that. Interesting. So let's just ask this question and wrap up the topic. Is Paul going to do the three-peat? And I know you're a competitor, Simon. So you don't have to answer. <laughs> so you don't have to answer because I don't think that you should answer. You're Obviously, you're going to say yeah. you're aiming for the win. Nick, do you think Paul's going to three-peat? Yeah. Hot take, yes. Simon, is he going to be on the top card with you? <laughs> Such a hot take. Is he going to yeah, be on the right. top card with you, Simon? I mean, I hope so. I haven't been, I've played one round in the last two weeks after the preserve, just uh, taking it super easy on my elbow. Um, I mean, my last performance was pretty good. I've never played toboggan, so I can't really predict too much on how it plays or how I'm going to do out there. But uh, weather-wise, it looks good, and I'm just really video. excited to play another new course. Yeah. So, Nick, you know Simon. You play with him. You, yep. What do you think? Is it, is it think, built for him in a lot of ways? Yeah, I think in a sense. I mean, because I've played with Simon at Maple Hill, and then I've played with Simon at courses that are long bombers. And obviously, Simon knows how to shape shots through the woods. Simon knows how to throw a long shot. And Toboggan adds a little bit of both in that course. The biggest challenge of Toboggan is all the elevation changes. And now that they've added OB in certain areas, you have to really like hold one downhill. Everything on your left side is out of bounds, but you have this long 400 plus foot shot to a basket. So you really well, got to control your discs well. Well, Simon can control his disc well. I've seen him exactly. throw a three shot hole in one or a two shot hole in one. I saw it the other, you know, on video. He threw two discs and got them both in. I mean, yeah, it's amazing. He's insane. So, <laughs> yeah. no, I, I think I really do think Simon will handle toboggan really well. I'm super excited to watch it. I hope him and I get to play a practice round. It all depends on when I can get into town because. All right. So, Simon, you got you got 10 more minutes for us or you want to cut it short? I still want to answer that speed driver. Right. Ha, so that's the next subject. <laughs> so you Bring us into it, Simon. What are we going to talk about? High-speed drivers. Yeah. The hot take is this. Yeah. I was going to say, like, my opinion is, now, when I say hot take, really talk to me off camera and I'll be a nice guy about it. But <laughs> hot take for the show. If you're an amateur, you shouldn't be throwing, like, more than speed, like, 10 even. That's me. I, I consider for the amateur, high speed to be, like, more than speed 10. And I feel like... Agreed. Until you are a pro, you probably shouldn't, again, that's a hot take. You shouldn't be trying to throw anything faster than that. Figure out the lower speed. Um, so that's the topic. Simon, What's you are someone who is known for power far throws. Are you throwing high speed drivers when you do those distance shots? Yes. Okay. Like what, what's the uh, speed range that you would say to get your furthest distance? I know speed and numbers, it's all kind of subjective, but like in general, is it like yeah. 14 or what? Um, I've thrown the 14 speeds a couple of times. I mean, Dismania doesn't have any 13 or 14 speeds in their lineup, so I'm stuck with 12 speeds. <laughs> no, you. It, it's kind of a gimmick, but I mean, the whole... The whole thing is with the distance drivers, I mean, of course, pros, for the the faster your arm speed is, the more of a difference you'll actually notice between a high-speed driver and a fairway driver. Um, but really, if you're like 100% honest with, with yourself and comparing your shots on an open field and throwing a perfect shot with your fairway driver followed by a perfect shot with your speed 12 driver, the difference is not remarkable. Just like between a putter and a mid-range the difference is not remarkable. I mean, saying that you know how to throw a putter far. Like, I can throw my putter 450, and I can throw my mid-range maybe 470, maybe. Like, it's yeah. really not that big of a difference. And the problem is with disc golf that there's obviously no official coaches or teachers, and most people just learn by doing, just teach themselves or learn from someone who, who isn't really that good at it themselves and doesn't really know how to do it. And people really try to learn how to go disc golf before they learn how to throw a shot. Mm -hmm. So they try to put everything together before they even have the fundamentals on how to throw a frisbee. And one thing that is great to learn is throwing a frisbee, like a lid. We call it lids here. Because um, if you know how to throw a lid, throwing a disc is very easy because a lid takes a lot of spin, a lot of touch. And the faster your disc is, the less touch it needs, really. And that's why beginners mm. that start off with high-speed drivers just completely ruin their form and their touch. And most people that start like that will never be good at throwing putters or mids mm. far because they just have no touch because high-speed drivers 
don't fly like frisbees at yeah, all. Yeah, they just require you to throw it on a massive Anheuser because you know it's going to flex out on yeah. you. So throw it on an Annie, and that's how you get your 150, 200 feet of distance when you first start playing. Yeah, I think... Wow, what's what's the thing? It's like, if you're just starting off, then it will literally not even make a difference if you throw a glidey fairway driver over a speed mm -hmm. 14 colossus yeah. uh, that's the only high speed disc that i know yeah. but um yeah it's it's really really helpful i i always used to say that play putter rounds only play catch with a fastback with a frisbee or with a putter um and just getting the reps in and figuring out how to control the angles on slow discs and then you'll be forever thankful when you're throwing those high-speed drivers because you'll actually notice a difference. Yeah, for sure. And um, people know I'm with Kids Disc Golf, and this is the Nick and Matt show. But one of the things that I always promoted for juniors, one is let them throw whatever they want because they want to have fun. That's fine. But if you're wanting them to get yes. better, put a like I put a Sonic in Hunter's hand when he was like four years old. A light, like a 120 Sonic, like DX 120. And... I feel like that taught him how the flight of a disc works. Like he had to do that right to get it to fly. Mm -hmm. And so that just kind of, I appreciate what you said there. And it's like, all right, we're doing something right. We're teaching him how a disc flies. So, and, and he's good now. True. He understands the flight of a disc. He understands it. You're right. Now he's, I, yeah. he wants to still throw faster and faster and I'm still working him up there, but now we can give him a sidewinder 150 or whatever. And now he understands I can actually hyzer flip the disc. Like he understands a hyzer flip. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, my dad, my dad, when we, when I was younger, my pre disc golf times even, we would play catch, and we would go like maybe a hundred feet apart, and uh, put a tree right between us, and he would have me throw so many turnovers around the tree at him, until I got it perfect every time. Turnover around the tree then hyzers around the tree, and later a couple straight shots away from the tree. But uh, that turnover shot is the hardest shot to figure out in disc golf. Yeah, oh yeah. And uh, one thing is to play catch with someone and put an obstacle in the middle and then just keep throwing a turnover around it and around it because that's where you get your reps in, and it's actually really fun to play catch. And once you figure out the flight and the glide of a disc, if you get the angle just right, that's pretty fun to watch. I was just going to say that is, and that makes mm -hmm. it fun too. And again, I'm going back to kids, but can I, my son is not the average kid, but I was going to say amateurs is what we're talking about a lot of here, high speed disc, like who should and shouldn't throw them. I, <laughs> we're going to quote you actually for our thumbnail title. It'll say like our, our spe high speed disc gimmicked 14s and 15s, but Nick, yeah. um, what's, what speed discs are you throwing? Are, do you have high speed discs? Do you have any yeah. of those 14s? No, I, I don't. <laughs> think Discraft comes out with anything more than a 13. I think the Nuke is 13 speed and that I actually don't even have one of those in the bag right now. I just throw Zeus's and forces as, you know, Zeusance is my distance. You know, if I really want to push some big distance, that's what I throw. And if I want, you know, secured stability, I throw a force. Those are both 12 speed. They both have really comfortable rims on them. Um, I think one of the reasons why the Nuke goes in and out of my bag right now, the Nuke's bomb. Like they really do. They are massive distance discs. But the rim is so big that it's fluky. It's, I don't know. As a I don't newer always... player, as a newer player, I, I'm, well, I've been doing what, 13 years now? I don't know. Let's go back yeah. to when did that, when did the nuke come out? Either way, yeah, exactly. I was like, that came out a while ago. And yeah. I was like, a oh, nuke, it says it's a high speed disc. It's going to go really far. Is yeah. that how it works, Simon? Like, <laughs> it... I mean, if, if you just look at like the old school Innova discs, like back when the Gazelle was like the number one speed driver, yeah. it says like, ultra super power long range driver just hyping it up as much as possible and i think brody like nailed it when he said in the video we shot with jomez when he said the more you know about flight numbers the less good of a disc golfer you probably are and i think that's pretty right yeah, true. I, I have always said i think <laughs> flight numbers are the dumbest thing that you can just slap on a disc only in the sense of like you know Paul came out with the Zeus. So I bought a Zeus knowing that it was going to be to start a stable distance driver that if I beat it in, it would start turning over. And that the only the only flight number that I paid attention to ever on a disc was the speed of it. Huh. It was just like, you True. know, okay, the Onyx is a speed 10 that fits that perfect highway or um excuse me, hybrid 
driver. Mid-ranges and putters, I never cared about their flight numbers because, I don't know, pretty much anything fairway and above, that's all I cared about was the speed. All right, so I'm going to try that. I'm on it. Honestly, I've been playing a long time, but I'm still trying to get better. And I feel like I've been starting to figure out the pull and the release and the whole nine yards with that. I feel like this year after 13 years, I'm going to take out like I throw a lot of Discraft and of um, I'm going to take out something that's like like I said, like speed 10. I was throwing destroyer. What speeds a destroyer? 12. OK, so. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. I'm the kind I'm of not going a good disc golfer. <laughs> no, you said the speed is something <laughs> I'm just I, I kind of feel like. Does the speed get changed, Simon, when it's like a different stability plastic? So like G-Star is very like, I guess Nick flippy. would say it's understable or flippy yeah. out of the box. I mean, does that change the speed or like, how, like, I know we're not talking numbers, but what's your opinion? Like, yeah. Um, I don't think the plastic really changes speed. The plastic just changes grip yeah that's kind of like a personal preference thing and it also can change from run to run like how overstable or understable this will be the the one thing that a lot of people don't understand and people wonder like wait why is the 2019 destroyer so different from the 2018 destroyer it's it's because it's humanly not possible to make the exact same blend of plastic two times in a row like you would think that's not a big deal but I've heard so many times from the Latitude guys from Innova that it's just not possible. And just the slightest change will, with the heat and the press, will just tiny little changes here and there. Um, what was it? What was I going to say? The, the flight numbers can be helpful is one thing that I've noticed. Obviously, for people that are new to the game and are trying to understand, like in golf, the irons and woods and putters, like what, yeah. where are we at? And how far will these discs go if thrown properly? But also if, when you talk about disc designing, and for example, you're trying to think of a new mold, you can go by the numbers, like what speed are we looking for? And it's just, I think easy kind of to categorize on finding something new because of the thousands of discs out there, I don't know how many copies of mm. the exact numbers different companies and the discs have, yeah. but, um, yeah, I lost my train of thought, but no, just talking about the different runs. You know how it's humanly impossible to yeah. come out with the same so run. So would your stability. You, yeah. So would you recommend to me? I guess is where I was going with this. You're the pro. You throw really far. I appreciate Nick can throw half the distance you can. So I would rather ask Simon. Okay. Yeah. Um, would you? Because okay. you said, and you're not wrong. And I've, I think it's just such a mental thing. Again, I see it with my kid. Like I need to throw a higher speed disc, Dad. Like I need to. Like if I'm a better player. That's what I need to do. Does that equate at all? Or should I just be like, dude, my eagle or my T-bird throws 30 feet shorter than my destroyer. Would your recommendation be, dude, just throw that eagle or that T-bird? My recommendation, it's hard to say in general. Yeah. It really yeah. is a personal case-by-case -case thing. It depends what you as a player want. If you want to elevate your game, if you want to be a pro or if you just want to play for fun and get the most out of your shots, if you notice a noticeable difference between a 12-speed and a 10-speed, then I think you should totally use the 10-speed. Because the one, the number one thing in disc golf is having fun. Mm -hmm. And if throwing high-speed drivers is more fun for you than throwing a 10-speed driver or 9-speed or just mid-ranges and putters, then I, I think everyone should basically do whatever they want. But if they want to get better and if they want to work on form and if they want to understand the flight of discs and learn how to control the angles properly and add more distance to their later high-speed drivers then i'd recommend disking down figure out putters and mids maybe disc up to fairway drivers if needed and then uh, after a couple of weeks or maybe even a couple of months i think you will notice a big difference in your distance game hmm. yeah for sure I'm going to try that. And Nick, did you just notice that Simon said disc up or disc down, which is good. And we were, uh, when I was out in Virginia, we were, you know, I was with Brody, Paul Hunter, the foundation guys, and we were talking about all different little things that disc golf says that we shouldn't say, like I was watching coverage and whoever was commenting, commentating said, Oh, you know, they should have clubbed up or clubbed down on that shot. And I remember just looking <laughs> at Brody and like, we all kind of looked at each other and we're like, Whoa, Whoa. And like Brody was just like, why do you guys call it clubbing up or clubbing down? It, you don't use clubs, yeah. and there's just a ton of different things that we T pad, 
Yeah, T-pad, because you don't hit it with a T or, you know. I right. saw comments on that. What should it be called? And I saw someone we, be like a launch pad. I'm we, like, yeah, no, please, people no. Said, people no said launch pad. pad. <laughs> we jokingly called it a smash box. Oh, uh, just <laughs> nice. You know, there was just a bunch why not of like things. A, I've heard fly pad. Isn't that a, is that a brand or throw throw pad? I mean, that's cool too. Yeah. But then we have know. too many things. We have drivers, but that why? Where does the word driver even come from? Golf, right? Uh, fairway, yeah. like putters, like. Anyways, I'm not about removing everything. Yeah. I know Brody's newer to the sport. We'll let him have his fun. <laughs> no, he doesn't want to remove everything. There are just certain things that he said, and you guys can check it out in their podcast on Thursday. But uh, he does say there are certain things. No, this that... is Thursday. Yeah. Well, so yeah. If you're watching so us, watch us live first, <laughs> and then watch theirs. They do. Uh, they do the recording like we're doing this week. But awesome. Um, but yeah, there are just different things, and I think we could all argue, you know, what to say, what not. to I've say. I've never even thought of. I've never even thought of all those terms. Yeah, I mean, it's just straight from tap golf. In, yeah. Tap in, are you just going to have a tap in, or is that actually like a well, drop in? Yeah, tap in. No, tap, <laughs> tap in was one of them. Why do we call it a tap in? You don't tap the putter in, you drop it in. It should be called a drop in. So, but, and yeah. okay, so uh, we're going to let Simon go. He's got somewhere to go. But yeah. I honestly, after that topic, I saw, and I do watch other podcasts, okay? So mm -hmm. Grip Locked. And the topic, I said, well, how far do you want to take it? The terminology par, now go look it up. It's always related to golf. I don't know. That's where it came from, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Par, bogeys, birdies. I mean, that's all. We can't get rid of it all just because no, it's no. used for another sport. Yeah, no, you wouldn't get rid of all of it because we are called disc golf. Right. I mean, so we don't want oh, to take I away everything. I got you. But there are, I think, certain things like T-Box. I get what he's saying by changing the name of that. Do yep. I personally think that it should be changed? No, but I also never... I played golf casually growing up and I take disc golf competitively. So it was more like, I got, you. I really don't care. You can call it whatever you want and I'll learn the terminology to it. It's I'm like, still going to throw a disc off the tee box. I'm still going to throw a disc off the launch pad, whatever it is. <laughs> I'm going to do it the same exact way, whatever the name is. Have you ever done um, candle pin bowling, Simon, since you've been up here in Massachusetts, the small balls? Still never done. Oh, it. Dude, we got to go do wow. that sometime. They're starting to close, yeah. but yeah. there's one out here near Maple Hill we would love to do that with you, a vlog, Nick and Matt, and we'll do um, ski ball. But here's the deal. You still call it strikes. You still call it spares. Yeah. But it's a different game. <laughs> so, All right. We're going to let I you. I wonder if that's the same. I wonder if that's the same game we have in Germany. It's like a smaller ball. Is is the lane like sloped inward nope. slightly so the ball like bounces back and forth? No. I don't know. There's something called duck pin. That's a little different. I don't know. But. We'll have to show yeah. you. We'll introduce you. It's a yeah. good time. We'll bring you sometime. Really good time. But we're going to let you go. Do you got anything you want to close out with? Promote anything you've got going on for our for our small audience, but dedicated, but small audience. Oh, gosh. Oh, what's the disc of the day? Oh, today it is actually, this is a Crush It ah. logo. He's crushing the can. I don't know if that's a beer or not, but it's just one of my we'll say it's Triumph Series Lazat FD3s. Sick. Um, other than that, just shout out to all my YouTube subscribers and Patreons and uh, yep. over 80,000 subs wow. now, growing like by the hundreds every day. That's so, insane. man. Hundreds Crazy every journey. day. And Way to go. So look up Simon Lazar on YouTube yeah. for the vlogs and everything else that he does. And then what's your Instagram? <laughs> yeah, my Instagram is dying. <laughs> no, That's well, we're about to recreate it. No. We're about to bring it back to life. If you don't know where Simon is on Instagram or YouTube. Hey, there are some people. Facebook. There are some people. All right. Well, at yeah. Simon Lazar, I'm okay. sure. All right, Simon. Simon underscore is on. We're going to let you go. Everyone came to watch you. Watch. We're going to watch our, you know, analytics all of a sudden. Bah, 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 as we continue on yeah, without exactly. you. Exactly. That's usually how it happens. So, <laughs> Simon, I will see you in about two hours for a round of golf. Do we have a tea time? Yes, we do. 530. 5.30. <laughs> so. All right, sweet. Looking forward to it, guys. Thanks for having me Sounds on. Good. And Thanks, Simon. Whatever you say at the uh, end we of We haven't picked anything. We say you, you say whatever you want to say. <laughs> see you yeah. later. All right. Peace. All right. Peace out, buddy. Bye, man. Okay, everybody. So that was Simon Lazat. If you didn't know, Nick, that's that is Simon Lazat. You can find him on YouTube and Instagram at Simon Lazat. Nah, super cool dude. Arguably one of the furthest throwers in the sport when it comes to distance drivers. So we thought today would be a good time to talk about the high speed drivers. And, you know, I don't think 
when you're first getting into the sport, I don't think you should ever recommend a distance driver to anyone. I think, you know, I'm sponsored by Discraft, so I'm going to say like the fastest disc that I would recommend someone is an Undertaker. And I would tell them to get it in the flippiest plastic, which I think for those is the ESP plastic and work your way down from there. And even though that, that one's a speed nine, so even that's kind of quick, but once you beat them up, they are pretty flippy. So I think just putters, mid-rangers, fairways, stay at those for a while, learn to shape your shots with that. I couldn't even, Nick, I'm, and I'm serious, this is going back a ways. Yep. No, it's probably yesterday. <laughs> I couldn't even do like a turnover flex shot with a putter when I was starting, like yeah. in all seriousness. like, And how did you first buy the first disc that you ever saw? For me, it was by, what does it look like? Pretty sure you recommended me buying a nuke and a force and stuff like that. So what did I do? I went out, I actually had a, uh, and a I had glow, this one for a years. A glow nuke OS. Yeah, no. I never bought a nuke OS. I've actually thrown them once. I never just cared. But anyways, um, I had this really, really good run of a red force, white stamp, Z, Z force. And I actually, I lost it in Virginia when you had the kids disc golf tournament. Oh, way yeah. down there in Richmond. Yeah. And you, me, your brother Josh, we were playing a casual round, and there was one hole with water, and I threw a funsy, oh, and it hyzered yeah. right into the water. I'd had that four since, like, the second week of me playing disc golf, so I was low-key pretty sad about it. But um, Dude, I remember that. Yeah. Good times, dude. Yeah, Throwing was, over water funsies. Exactly. That was a cool hole. Don't do it. I highly recommend not. Wow. Yeah, it was, a, it was a cool hole. I can't remember it for sure, but you know what's really yeah. funny right now, and to our viewers... And to our listeners, they don't get it. But Simon's Simon's wrote, face is still yeah. We gotta get a picture of it. We gotta screenshot that. Yeah. I'm gonna screenshot it, and maybe I'll get it yeah. back up here. But this, <laughs> I'm gonna keep laughing. It's like a frozen image of it's Simon, frozen, just like yeah. staring at us skeptically. <laughs> I have to get rid of that. I yeah. have to. I can't look at it anymore. Okay, it's gone. But <clears throat> yeah, I think we had some really cool topics, especially you know the Deglo tournament. Guys, give us your predictions. Put in the comments, and I'll, I'll throw this out there. If you can get the top five MPO players and the top three FPO players perfect by Sunday, at, you have until – hold on. This is going to come out Thursday. You have until Friday to comment your top five MPO players and your top three FPO players. If you get every single one of them right, I'll send you a disc in the mail. Wow. Simon, what do you think about <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to our viewers, I just pulled it up for you to see. Simon, Simon, are you there? Oh, Simon, he's just skeptical, Nick. He's not sure yeah. anyone can get it correct. So he, he wants to win it. So um, so let's just do this. Let's take the Wait, last take that? seven to 10 minutes here um, and talk about something that I feel like um, is relevant but not often thought about nick every podcast i feel mm -hmm. like and i can't say every podcast but most podcasts most shows jomez everything every brand that we know of okay they are for all disc golfers but the majority of the topics majority um are all driven by the competitive scene should yeah. ratings be a thing? Should par be a thing? Should payouts be different? Um, should we call the tee box something different? Um, how long has this pro, how many world champions? I'm serious, like yeah. OB, everything. It's all related to competition. Now, mm -hmm. is disc golf, that's all it is. You can't play disc golf unless you compete? No, there's no, gosh, a no. huge I mean, that's, market. Yeah, that's the great thing about disc golf is you don't have to be a competitor to go out and play it. And I say that you don't have to be a competitor in any sport to go out and play it. But with disc golf, what's especially fun is look how many free courses we got, man. Like most public parks at this point are in the process of installing a course, already have a course. You know, how many free courses do we have around you and me? You know, you drive an hour and you could probably play seven or eight different free courses. But in the in the other side of that, and I actually just thought of this, I feel like that's changing for Central Mass. Now, I know that's our area. Is it changing in your area? I feel like there's a lot of pay-to-play courses now, yeah. too. It's going both ways. But you just made a great point. The, fr the free aspect of it, right, is mm -hmm. introducing players to the sport by the thousands. Yeah. I'd love to see the introducing stats on Introducing families it. to the sport. You know, not and, even players. And Thank they're you. coming in, and they literally have no idea about the competitive scene. In fact, how many people have you ever told that there's a pro tour, Nick? And they were like... 
taken back. Like, are you kidding me? Mostly people that I see not playing disc golf. Like right. if I'm talking to someone at the bar or, you know, if I'm talking to someone while, I don't know, I'm doing something random. I'm hanging out at like a family event or whatever. And we're talking about pro disc golf. And but like, those Wait. are the players who are getting introduced to the sport, meaning like they're coming into the sport. The person you're sitting next to at the bar, had you not met them one day, they find the sport. Yep. They're going to be just as amazed when they find out then too. I guess my point is, there's thousands of people coming to the sport that have no idea about it. And then here we are like totally driven and focused on competition. Yeah. I guess where I'm going with this is to ask the question. And I have a pretty strong feeling, let's say Innova, DD, Discraft, Prodigy, that they probably are very aware that their marketing needs to be not driven just to the com com competitive player. So when, when somebody goes, I want to be sponsored by one of these manufacturers, they're like, well, that's great. We've already invested all of our comp competition budget into these 10 players. Like yeah. they can't just unlimited. That's not all disc golf is. Yeah. So they'll go to these trade shows. They'll, um, but let me ask you this. Do you think that these new players are being marketed because of the pro scene? Meaning is that how these manufacturers are choosing to do that? They're marketing Paul Macbeth, they're marketing Paige Pierce, and they're giving entertainment to these newer players who are going to be exposed to it. Well, I think what's, What's crazy about our sport is a lot of the pro players have their signature disc or their tour series disc. It's not like, you know, when you play basketball and you want to buy a pair of LeBrons, you're spending a hundred plus dollars on them. I'm not a sneaker guy, so I could be wrong about that, but you're spending a good amount of money on them. When you're playing disc golf and you see, you know, okay, I want to go out and buy this Zeus. Whose name is on the Zeus? It's Paul McBeth's. Or I want to go out and buy this FT3. It's got Simon Lazat's name on it. And then you think, you know, wow, this guy has their name on a ton of different discs. They buy multiple of those discs. Like when you buy a distance, um, distance driver, you usually buy a couple of them in case you lose one, you want to beat one in, now you need a freshie. You know, people are buying multiple of that. And so then they think, you know, okay, well, who is Paul Macbeth? Okay, I look him up, Paul Macbeth's the best player in the world. Or most people that are buying those discs, they may be casual players who never compete in a tournament, but they still potentially watch the pro scene and they know who all the pro players are they're buying their discs because that is their favorite pro player so you're not wrong yeah they, they do eventually find their exposure to the pro scene i'm sure that's how people that's why jomez is so huge right now yeah. because people that are not concerned about competition themselves enjoyed watching the sport on youtube yep um i would be really interested to see the numbers of people who are playing disc golf but have never competed it used to be a thing. We had, um, what was it called? The newcomers ball. And that was a tournament yeah. and it happened. It happens every year, different tournament locations, but it was a player who has competed before has to bring someone who hasn't. And guess what? That tournament is full every year. So yeah. there are people And for instance, you have a buddy you're going to see this afternoon, Zach. Yep. Has he ever played a tournament? Nope. Has he ever competed? Nope. How long has he been playing disc golf now? Like actually has been exposed and playing it it's a couple of year. years. Yeah, well, exposed to it more than a couple of years, but actually legitimately loving to go out and play it, we'll say a year and a half. And legitimately, in my this is my opinion, he knows about it because you're Nick Carl and you're friends with a lot of good players. Yeah. But had that not been the case, like you with his buddy, I don't know that I would have ever seen him even get into a tournament. And he still yeah. maybe doesn't. He probably would never sign up for a tournament unless him and I, because we're waiting for a newcomer's ball to come out. Yeah. You know, just to go out and play it for fun. <laughs> to go, and, uh, yeah. He's he's actually really good for a casual player. Yeah. He's really good. So and, how many, uh, yeah, how many I of our him, listeners? I told him, I was like, dude, go up and sign up for an AM2 event. See how you do there. And then if you want to play after that, I told him just do it for fun. If you got an open Saturday and you want to play a tournament, the same one that I'm at, we'll sign up, we'll drive there together. No, don't get you into know? the competition. It will ruin your life forever. No, I think, yeah. <laughs> I think he would love it. I mean, he's a competitive kid, and obviously he's a disgustingly good rock climber. I mean, I, I couldn't hold a candlestick to him in rock climbing. And there are times where we're out in the disc golf course where if I'm not playing my best, he could be playing out of his mind and keeping up with me. You know, it's it's pretty cool. I just venture, and we can get ready to wrap this up. I venture to say that there are more people out there playing disc golf that do not know about the, they, they're aware maybe that there's a competition scene, just like there would be in any sport. It's yeah. not that they're oblivious, but that they do not care at all. There's more people out there like that than who do. And that's just, maybe that's a hot take that I have no foundation for. 
but I'm just thinking of even people that I've known over the years. They're again, families going out and playing like they just have fun whipping discs in the yeah. woods. Like that's just their enjoyment. They're like, I never would need to go compete or I've never, I don't even care what's happening. It's, yeah. And, and that's fine. I was just curious to say that like our world is so taken up by the competitive scene. And I'm just curious out of even our listeners and our viewers, are you a tournament player? Or are you just somebody who enjoys listening to it, but just playing yourself? Like, mm -hmm. you, there's just a different group of people, I think. Um, and I, I just want to touch on one last point you said was about the free aspect. And we've talked about many times, like yeah. paying to play and how that's good for the sport. I think having free is good. Having pay to play is good. You need both. And I think they're going to both drive the sport to better places when you have both. But how many mini golf courses? Now I know some people call it putt putt. Are I call, free? I call it mini golf. Are free I, to I, play? I, I'm are there? Any? I was actually just about to say that <laughs> Simon and I are going out to play a par three course later. We're still going to probably spend thirty bucks with a car to go play eighteen yeah. holes. Is what I was. I assume it's eighteen holes. But um, you know, how but, often would you say that in golf there are no free courses? But now I'm going to in mini golf there are no free <laughs> courses. In disc golf we are very lucky. To have free courses and i don't think those those will never go away i don't ever want them to go away right because i think that's one of the main areas that our sport is growing is because like your parents just started playing disc and golf guess what my dad my it. dad just played i can't believe this i should shout out i bet you he's watching uh, maybe he's not we'll we'll see yeah. if he hears this comment and he gets back to me via text i'll know he watches the show yeah but he just played his first competition yesterday. I couldn't, I mean, like, I'm, like, proud, but I'm also amazed that, like, I've been playing 13 years. He started picking it up about a year ago. Like, hey, maybe I'll try this thing you've been liking for so long. And then, like, he sends me, hey, I was looking up tournaments. Like, he's doing this research. So this is that player I'm talking about that yeah. didn't have that exposure and then decided at some point. So there's so many of those players out there. Um, some of them do come to competition, like my dad. Um, and that's cool. Mm -hmm. but yeah there's no free i think that is very cool part of disc golf you're right free courses never get rid yeah. of them and i think kind of last thing i'll say on this we were talking about you know how many people actually know there's a pro scene to it i think one of the biggest kind of like stunning things i get is when i tell people yeah there's a pro scene you know i have friends who actually make a living out of it and that's where they're blown away they're like wait you can make a living playing <laughs> disc golf and i was like yeah i mean it's obviously not the most comfortable living for a lot of people, but there are players in the world right now who can actually make a comfortable living um, doing something that they love. And I think that's pretty incredible. And I think that's only going to grow to how many players are actually going to be able to do that. That's so. where I usually try to, yeah, I usually yeah. try to blow people's brain when they, when there's people out there. Okay. And there are people out there who think disc golf is corny. They make fun of it. Uh, you go throw frisbees in the wood, like yeah. you know, like they make fun of it. And I go, listen, this guy named Paul Macbeth makes more money than you make, and he's throwing frisbees in the woods <laughs> or in the open. And yeah. they're like, I don't care. And I know that's only like what Paul and maybe a handful of others mm -hmm. that are making a good living. But anyways, but hey, there are people doing it. And ten years ago, it was really, really freaking hard to do that. Is it going to just keep trending up? I think so. Why wouldn't it? The top 100 players are going to have a good living in the next I 10 years? I wouldn't say that much. Next 10 years? Next, I don't think 100 people know. <laughs> but I, I think potentially... Don't quit your day job. Yeah, definitely don't quit your day job. So as much as it would be nice to go out and tour playing disc golf full time, yeah, don't quit your day job. Man, it, it will so. get... it. Well, whether it gets there or not, and this is interesting, we're getting kind of like, oh, we like the sport, but... Whether it gets there or not, this goes back to my point. You can enjoy the sport mm -hmm. without the actual competition. You can play with yourself, against yourself, with your family, yeah. with your friends, and you get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Yeah. I think that's really it, Nick. You're going out to Deglo. Are you playing? Yes, I am. I think I'm leaving. It all depends on work. Uh, my other buddy who drives Dynamite with me is on vacation this week. So one of our other buddies went out and got his license to drive Dynamite. So I have two days to train him. And then potentially I'm going to leave Wednesday night. I think I got about a, an 11 and a half hour drive out there and then uh, play a practice around Thursday. I've played the course before. I just got to make sure that my body's good and I'm going to play a lot around here just to kind of stay warmed up. But um, yeah, I'll try to get into town Thursday. If all is perfect in the world, then I'll leave Tuesday night. But I don't really see that happening. 
but yes, I am playing it. I'm, you know, really looking forward to it. I love going up to Michigan. I love seeing the disc graph peeps and uh, toboggan's fun. It's, it's a really fun course. All right. Live on the show. So you can commit to our viewers and our, our watch or our listeners. Are you planning to be back in studio next week? <laughs> yeah. The week after. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 the week after. Yeah, yeah the week right. after. Yeah, this Thursday <laughs> awesome. is the only one, and then uh, I'm not going to Idlewild or Ledgestone, um, but then I think after that's MVP Open. Oh man, it's so close. We potentially have some cool ideas revolving around that. There might be where you know everything's in the works, but Matt and I actually were just talking about this really cool idea that we might break out. Uh, next Thursday, maybe. Maybe we'll do it for fun. We'll talk about it next Thursday. Well, the next, next. Th- no, no, this is Thursday for these people. This You're is right. Thursday for these people. Yeah. <laughs> we're so confused. Next week. Yeah, next week. We're going to come out potentially with something I think is going to be a cool segment. And uh, yeah, we're going to give it a go. All right. So. so let's get ready here to close out. I've got nothing extra to say either. Yeah. So with that being said, Nick. Like, subscribe, leave comments, leave uh, ratings and everything like that on the great podcast. If you guys have anything you want us to talk about, please always comment them. We check out every single one of the comments, sometimes too much. But uh, (laughs) now, thank you, everyone. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Nick and Matt Show. Be sure to check us out on your favorite social platform and subscribe on iTunes.